Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Quarterly Report. We got a really fun show this week. I'm going to be joined by Bullets Forever reporter, as well as a contributor from SB Nation, Michael Sykes. He's going to tell us why Adidas is celebrating off the court and why John Wall and Wizards fans are kind of concerned on it. All that plus, we've been told for years now that the NBA is the league where one player can change your entire fortune for a team. But it seems like the NFL is now becoming that. I'll tell you why a little bit later on. But first, the number one topic this week. I told you guys. I told y'all last week, right? I said that the heavyweight division in boxing is historically the glamour division in the sport. And that the heavyweight division is experiencing something of a renaissance now. And last weekend, or last week's episode, I previewed the Deontay Wilder, Bermain Stavern, uh heavyweight championship fight at Barclays in Brooklyn. And I told you guys, you know, it, the fight really wasn't, it wasn't anything to really preview. Everyone knew Wilder was going to win. It was just about how good he would look. And if he would be able to, to further you know, generate more momentum for a potential 2018 showdown between himself and another heavyweight champion, this guy who resides from the UK, Anthony Joshua. And man, did he ever, you know, last weekend I was critical of Deontay Wilder. I'm not going to pull any punches. Full disclosure, I told you guys I want Anthony Joshua to beat Deontay Wilder. But make no mistake, Deontay Wilder, he put on a show, and he did exactly what he he wanted to accomplish. Not only did he put on the show, but he was able to force more public opinion, right, to put that pressure on Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua to make the fight. Because now, despite the fact that Tyson Fury is popping up more and more, and he may or may not be finally ready to go, and he's still suspended, but now there is a real desire to see these two guys, these two undefeated, these two like big time punchers, these two charismatic men get in the ring and just go ahead and scrap. Right? This is this is the beauty of boxing and what's wrong with boxing. You know, you have two fighters that the the fans want to see. Two champions that the fans want to go ahead and see get it on. But there's still somewhat of, you know, there's some doubt whether this fight still happens or not. But, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about last weekend's fight because, again, Deontay Wilder did what he needed to do. But to, to say he looked fantastic, to say he was, you know, impressive in, in, uh, with his victory, it's kind of like when Alabama faces Tuscaloosa State in the first week of the college football season. And they win like 63 to 10. You don't really, you can't really judge how well Alabama played. You know what I mean? Because of the competition. Same can be said with the Stavern fight, right? Stavern was a former heavyweight champion. This is years ago. And his legitimacy as a champion is still one under question, right? It's, you know, the heavyweight titles, over the last 10 years, if it doesn't 
have Klitschko buy it. There's a lot of some murky stuff going on, okay? But not to take anything away from uh, Deontay Wilder, okay? He beat him, and he beat him the way he needed to beat him. But it's important to provide context because earlier this week, you know, I'm watching some of the shows, and it's good to see boxing on some of these popular, you know, sports talk shows, you know, that, that comes on in the early evenings. But, you know, and they show the the knockdowns, the three knockdowns, including the final knockout, and they look, I mean, it's fun to watch, you know, because they're they're just like brutal, okay? But it's also fair to point out that Stavern went into the ring looking like a right guard. <laughs> there was just skin and flesh on this guy, and you're like looking at him, and he's like, you know, the the slightly bigger version of Al Bundy. You know what I mean? Like forever telling everybody about his glory years in high school while he's selling shoes, you know? And that's no disrespect to Fern because he knocked me out, you know what I'm saying? But like, I'm not a professional fighter. You know, he walked into the ring needing a bra. And I'm not trying to be funny, but when you look at Deontay, I mean, I am, but when you look at Deontay Wilder's opponents, and this is the biggest criticism of him, they're all sloppy guys. You know, Deontay Wilder's obviously like a physical freak, man. He's he's super tall. He's got an amazing reach. He's athletic. He's agile. He's quick and light on his feet. But he has maybe one of the best right hands in the entire sport. Like, it's an equalizer. No matter his flaws, he hits you. if he hits you with that right, it's over probably. But I can't give him credit or too much credit, I should say, because, you know, he beat an offensive lineman on Saturday. And not only was Stavern out of shape, he hadn't fought in two years, you know? So how ready was this guy? He didn't throw any punches. He didn't even look like he wanted to be there, okay? So, yes, Deontay Wilder put on an, an exciting fight, and he accomplished everything he wanted to do. Look, again, I told you guys, between these two fighters, I'm definitely pro-Anthony Joshua, but I don't want to take anything away from Wilder or discredit him because honestly, you know, we talk about Wilder and, and his lack of opponents and good victories that you can, can attribute to him, but he's been stuck in a situation where, you know, guys, he, he's trying to fight. They get caught for doping. Okay. This fight that happened this past weekend was supposed to be with Luis Ortiz, who would have been, you know, the best fighter he had ever faced, but he got caught for doping. So I can't, I can't, I can't OD on, you know, ripping Wilder for not fighting anybody because he's actually recently tried to fight top upper echelon opponents, but things just haven't worked out. And it's also worth pointing out, and many people have, that, you know what, after the fight, Deontay Wilder called out Anthony Joshua, which we all knew he was going to do, but he, he made it known to the world that it's time for Anthony Joshua Joshua to finally accept his challenge. And that's all fair, okay? Deontay Wilder has been wanting to fight Anthony Joshua for a while. They have not fought. And, you know, the time is right for them to fight now. However, I want to, again, provide context. Because you hear people talk about the fight and, you know, boxing or whatever, and there are a lot of people who aren't familiar with the sport. So they'll... You know, I heard someone this week say, you know, that's why everyone is ducking Deontay Wilder. Well, first things first, 
Deontay Wilder didn't want to fight Vladimir Klitschko when Klitschko was dominant, okay? They just never fought, and that's not Klitschko's fault. That's Wilder's fault, okay? So before Tyson Fury beat Klitschko, Klitschko was ready to fight Deontay Wilder. It just never happened. Dylan White, the guy after the after the fight, you know, Wilder was calling out Anthony Joshua, and then he referred to Dylan White as a peasant. It's important to realize that Dylan White would be the best opponent that Deontay Wilder would have ever faced had he faced him, okay? White has been wanting to fight Wilder for years now. It hasn't happened, okay? So, yes, some of the fighters that Deontay Wilder has wanted to fight, you know, they didn't, they couldn't able, they weren't able to make it to the ring via uh, drug suspensions or with Anthony Joshua, and I'll get to that in a second. But there have been top-tier heavyweights ready and willing to fight Deontay Wilder. He just didn't want any parts of him. Okay, so it's a bit reckless, right, and disingenuous for people to be like, oh, nobody wants to fight Deontay Wilder. No, nah, that's not the case. Some guys, yes, but there have been big fights for Deontay Wilder, but he hasn't wanted to fight as well. So now we come to Anthony Joshua. And Anthony Joshua, he's probably going to win fight of the year. He may very well be fighter of the year, but... You know, Lomachenko has something to say about that in a few weeks. But he called out Anthony Joshua, and this fight has to happen now. Again, I've given you my opinion, but I want to also paint the picture, give you the proper context as to maybe why this fight hasn't happened yet. People need to remember Anthony Joshua, much like Deontay Wilder, but Anthony Joshua got into boxing late in his life, or late in his, you know, Relative to where other fighters start, okay? Anthony Joshua is only 20 and 0. He's only fought 20 professional fights now. To get to put that in perspective, when Deontay Wilder was calling out Anthony Joshua earlier in his career, in 2014-15, Anthony Joshua fought five times that year. And I say that to say the reason he didn't fight Deontay Wilder early is because he was still new to boxing. You have a prospect. And it would be the equivalent of playing a true freshman opening weekend versus Alabama or Clemson, right? You wouldn't do that. That's why that's why players get redshirted, or that's why players, you know, if you're a true freshman, you may get in a little bit later on in the year after you, you show some stuff or after an injury. You don't want to ruin a prospect too early. And I think that's the reason why Anthony Joshua didn't fight Deontay Wilder early on in his career, because he was still learning how to how to fight. Again, he fought five times just two years ago. You don't do that with a, a top a top tier, you know, uh, heavyweight, right? A prize fighter is not going to fight five times a year. You're still trying to polish himself. Then last year, he fought three times. And now, obviously, this year he had, you know, a career-defining moment when he beat Klitschko. He was already a champion at that point. He won his title last year in 2016. And that brings me to the second part of why I don't think Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder have fought thus far. Deontay Wilder fought at Barclays, right? Beautiful arena. I've heard nothing but good things. I haven't been to uh, the arena myself. But on television, it looks perfect. It's lit perfectly for boxing, basketball as well. They had less than 11,000 people at that fight. Less than 11,000 at the Barclays. Okay? The Nets do better than that regularly. Meanwhile, 
Anthony Joshua, the weekend prior, two weekends ago, finished selling out over 75,000. 75,000, okay? And that 75,000 was only his second biggest audience of this year. Because early in the year, he was over 90,000 at Wembley Stadium. So, you know, people forget it's not just about the fight, but it's also a business. Like, if you are putting yourself on the line, your health, your livelihood, your quality of life in a fight, you want to maximize, you know, your earning potential. I think we all can understand that. So one could argue, man, why would, you know, Anthony Joshua not fight Deontay Wilder? Why would he fight Klitschko? Well, he fought Klitschko because it's a bigger fight. He fought Dylan White because it was a bigger fight. And hell, to be honest, if Anthony Joshua fought Tyson Fury over in the UK, that would be a bigger fight than him fighting Deontay Wilder. Just true story. Like, no, no need to even sugarcoat that. It would be. Wilder is not the draw. He doesn't move the needle. Despite the fact that he has an exciting brand of boxing. And he has a great story. But all that being said, Anthony Joshua, you need to stop playing. Go up to Eddie Hearn make the fight happen, bro. It has to happen. And it can't happen middle of 2018 or after a few tune-ups or after a mandatory. No, nah, bro. First fight that you have, 2018, has to be with Deontay Wilder. It has to be. Like, everything is situated perfectly now. It has marinated enough. There seems to be legit heat between these two. And it's the fight we all want to see. It's the fight we all want to see. Now, that being said, I'll call it right now. I think Anthony Joshua wins. And I'll tell you the punch he'll win with. He'll win with an uppercut. We saw what it did to Klitschko. And you see, every time you see Wilder throw a big bomb, especially with that right hand, the left hand drops. It's perfect. There's nothing better for Anthony Joshua to do after his huge year this year, 2017, a year he may be fighter of the year, than to finally shut up Deontay Wilder and then shut up Tyson Fury. If Anthony Joshua goes in 2018 and beats those two guys in that order, in that order, you're looking at maybe the best fighter in the world. And that's not me being hyperbolic. That's me being real. All right, guys, man, I hope you guys enjoyed the first quarter. I usually don't start uh, the show off with boxing, but, man, I was feeling this one, man. I was super excited this past weekend. It was a good show, and the momentum is going perfectly for these two guys to go just go square up. It's crap, man. It's time. And if you haven't seen either of these fighters fight, I highly suggest, I highly recommend going to YouTube and just look at some of their biggest fights because they're the number one and number two uh, ranked in terms of knockout percentage fighters in the world. I mean, everyone except for one fight has Deontay Wilder won via knockout and Anthony Joshua is 20-0 with 20 knockouts, bro. I mean, they're the real deal. It's fun, and I'm happy the heavyweight division is finally producing top flight, exciting charismatic fighters man it's good for the sport and you know it's good for me and if it's good for me hopefully it's good for you all right guys man we're going to keep things moving with our second topic this week second it's time now for rise of the machines if this is your first time listening to the show first off let me say thank you right and number two 
this is a reoccurring segment called Rise of the Machines, which I'm sure you were able to deduce by the intro of the second quarter. But in essence, this entire quarter, this entire segment is about me and my concern, even fear, if you will, about how fast technology is moving. You know what I'm saying? And how we're basically volunteering our freedoms, right? In the name of convenience. When I was little, if you listen to this uh, show from the beginning, you know, when I was little, I've always had a fear of like the robot revolution. You know what I'm saying? Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. I saw it when I was a kid. It stayed with me. You know what I mean? And I think we like, we just living in the time where like we are voluntarily just giving our freedoms away. We don't even know it. So from time to time, when we have this segment, I give you some some examples of AI just going a little bit nuts. So some stories where I'm like, yo, what possibly? Why would anybody possibly do this? You know what I mean? You're just you're just giving the 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 robot army even more power. But this week isn't like on some Terminator 2 or iRobot scale, you know, uh, AI revolution. But this is kind of like us just again voluntarily giving up our freedoms in the name of convenience. And don't get me wrong, you know, some people got some emails from some people and they were like, "Yo." Are you just completely anti-technology? And no, I'm not. I know, I'm, I know I sound crazy in these segments, right? But I, I jammed down for it. You know what I'm saying? Like some of the, the like milestones, right? Achievements when it comes to technology is fascinating to me. Honestly, this entire segment stems a lot from just my complete fascination with how fast we are moving from a technological standpoint. So technology is absolutely beneficial. Obviously, you can't. I'm not one of these dudes who try to live off the grid. You know what I'm saying? Nah, that's not me. So let me give you uh, an example, right? I got, man, four super close homeboys, man. Uh, started working with them. Each of them, like, you know, ranging from eight to seven years ago, something like that, right? And two of them live in different parts of Florida. One lives in New York and another one lives in another part of Maryland, right? And for like the last four to five years, we've all had stayed in contact on group chats. I'm sure all of you all listening have some group chats and maybe your situation is like mine where you got partners all over the place, uh, not just necessarily locally, but in different states, maybe in different countries, right? And you can stay close to these people, right? I, have the, I, I text with these guys every day for like four years. There's been either I have text or we have I have received text or there've been multiple texts like long drawn out texts. Y'all know how group chats be. Every day for like four years, and despite the fact that we live far away, we don't live by each other. There's a certain level of closeness. Like I, these dudes are my guys, man. I got nothing but love for these dudes, right? So in that regard, right, technology is really good. It's good at keeping people close. However. I also lack a lot of interpersonal skills because there are partners of mine who I am close with who live literally 15 minutes away from me and I haven't seen them in a year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't ever see them, but I text them all the time. And that's because it's more convenient. You know what I'm saying? I don't, there are people who live close to me. I don't know what they sound like. I don't know what they look like anymore. 
So in one regard, right, the text is good for communicating and strengthening a relationship because you can talk and communicate with people who otherwise you wouldn't see. But it also is so convenient that it lessens our interpersonal skills, right? And it detaches the, the sense of community and closeness. You feel me? Like all that happens and that can't be a good thing, you know? Like losing the sense of like seeing people and hearing people and talking and meeting face to face. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got you got a generation of young young Bamas out here now who don't even know how to holler at a young, right? You just go on the app. That can't be. I got a daughter. You know what I'm saying? Like that can't be good. I don't even know how people will try to court her. You know what I mean? Nine, ten years from now. You know. Y'all hear these bombers out here now. They don't know how to talk. I don't know what's going on. Interpersonal skills are gone. They're diminishing. And we do it for the sake of convenience. Man, so I'm watching Wally. Shout out to Disney. The other weekend. It's the first time I saw it. I'm watching it with my daughter. And again, like I said earlier, man, the 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 robot revolution may not come out like John Connor and Terminator, but it could just be off of our own convenience fuels them right so what happens like everybody like all everybody got like a fitbit now you know what i'm saying you, you punch into your watch what you're trying to do how many calories you're trying to burn how many steps you take the whole nine try to be healthy get your heart rate down heart rate up whatever and we're moving with the like what's the thing amazon got alexa apple has siri how far are we for, away from you know hey alexa uh order me you know a pizza or warm up the pizza from last night I had last night and it just does it because it'll be convenient right it'll be dope everybody want to keep up with the Joneses but what happens because you know all this stuff at some point is going to be linked up what happens when you ask Alexa who's now linked up to your Fitbit and you're like yo Alexa man can you order me that uh pizza from down the street give me some Litos and she says nah it's not right for you it's it's not it's you know you don't need that you need to watch your diet you need to watch your calories and it just prevents you from doing it you know what i'm saying i'm serious joe like i'm watching wally the other weekend and that's what like the bomb was like yo i'm trying to get back to earth i'm not going to tell you the whole synopsis of the movie you know but a human pilot is like yo i'm trying to go back to earth and the robot's like nah bro we not doing it the guy's the captain <laughs> you understand what i'm saying and look, man, like, that's how my mind works. I know, again, I know I sound Randy Quaid on these segments, man, but this is how I'm thinking. I'm like, yo, we keep on feeding. We keep on Elon Musk is out here trying to be Tony Stark, bro. He's trying to make these robots, like, communicate. What was, what was it the other week ago? We Like, what was it? Saudi Arabia? They had some AI robot, like, cracking jokes behind, like, doing, giving a press conference. And I'm like, yo, what are we doing? right some of this stuff i don't understand the logic behind but some of this stuff i do understand right i understand why people want to have alexa in their homes and you're like hey play this song or hey turn the tv on it because bombers are lazy for real it's convenient you know you you speak i got the x1 joint and i talk to my remote control i can push the button you know i'm guilty of this too i could actually push the channel button but I want to be like, hey, whoop, show me, you know, inside the NBA. 
and it turns the channel for me. I don't need that jank. Nobody needs that jank. But you know, convenience will lead you down a path that, you know, a few years later, you're gonna turn around and be like, damn, I never, I never should have made that choice. I never should have made that decision. But back to my example, right? Let's say, because we, we are moving down this path where everything is connected. Your Fitbit works with your, your, your MP3 player, and it works with your, your phone, and it works with your cable box and modem, the whole nine. So you want, you may, one of the beautiful things about being a human is making your own choice. We know that eating pizza all the time is not healthy, but damn it, if you want some Lito's pizza, man, I salute you. That joint's dope. And if you're not from Maryland, man, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry for you. If you never had Lito's pizza, I'm sorry for you. But like, if you want to like, hey, Siri, um, you know, call Uber Eats and give me some McDonald's or something like that. Or, you know, Alexa, where can I get some blacks? All that stuff's not good for you. You know, nobody needs to tell you that, but you can make your own decision as an adult. But what happens when Alexa or Siri is like, nah, you, you don't need that. I'm not giving it to you. You know, what you gonna do? At first, you're gonna be like, man, get out of my face. And you just go ahead and do it yourself. But when you become accustomed to it, right? When it becomes like part of your everyday life, think about it. Bamas know not to text on their cell phone and drive. But Bamas do that all the time, knowing how dangerous it is. Why? Because we become accustomed to it. Watch. Y'all Bamas gonna get accustomed to asking Alexa to get you some food, just like y'all Bamas got accustomed for your for app getting you a date. First off, if that you lame as hell. Hey, there are a lot of things that I do is crazy. I, right-handed guy, never got a date on the app. You know, but hey, y'all do you. You understand? I'm not judging. I'll just call you lame. But anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. We get accustomed to doing stuff, right? So, 10 years ago, you weren't accustomed to texting and driving, but you are now. 10 years ago, you weren't accustomed to Netflix. Five years ago, you probably weren't accustomed to that joint, but you are now. Last year, you may not have been accustomed to talking into your remote. Two years from now, you will be. And God knows what happens five, ten years later when all we ever do, right, to get food, to order food, to gro grocery shop. You got people delivering groceries for you. All that's via technology. What happens when you want to, you know, order some, some wine or you want to order some soda? or whatever the case, you got a sweet tooth, you wanna eat an apple pie. And then your whole you know, technological standpoint is like, shuts that whole thing down. What you gonna do? It's gonna be too late, bro. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not one of these people who are like, man, let's go back to using the, the typewriter and, you know, having, <laughs> you know, uh, Ravens send mail to, you know, friends. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on that, man. I understand. I appreciate. I couldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for the advancements in technology. But bro, we gotta pump the brakes because I can see it. I feel like I can see where we're going, and we're moving so fast. That I don't know if everybody takes the time out to be like, you know what? This is crazy. I'm 34 years old. 34. The first 17 years of my life, there was a lot of really creative 
innovative and groundbreaking achievements from a technological standpoint. But it pales in comparison to the last 17, hell, not even the last 17, just the last 10 years. Think about what has happened the last 10 to 15 years of human existence. And it's only growing, it's only going faster. God knows what happens 20 years from now. Y'all better be ready. I told y'all, I'm gonna have my bunker ready. My sister and my daughter are gonna be ready with myself, you know, and whomever else is kin. All y'all the Bama's man, consider this, you know, my warning shot for y'all. Y'all better get ready, because the revolution is coming. All right, y'all, man, that's the first half. Halftime is also coming, but before we get to halftime, I got some house cleaning to get to. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter. I'm at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show. You can definitely get in contact with me. Give me your thoughts on the show. If you got questions, we're going to start doing stoppage time every other week. So last week we did it. I talked to a few of the uh, listeners of the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you have anything you want to talk to me about, you got any arguments, any disagreements that you have with something I may say, or you want to hear me talk about a sport that you like, feel free Tweet me at Quarterly Show or email the show. We're at the Quarterly Report at gmail.com. That's Quarterly, Q U A R T E R L E E, report at gmail.com. And please be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. All you got to do is go to iTunes and go to the podcast directory, search Quarterly Report. Again, that's Q U A R T E R L E E. You'll see the show's icon, click on that, subscribe, and while you're at it, please rate and review the show. Alright guys, this week for halftime, I don't know about you guys, I couldn't believe AJ Green this past Sunday. If you don't know, AJ Green, usually mild-mannered, you know, one of the best receivers, hell, best players in the league. For some reason, he just lost his damn mind. And was going up against the Jaguars. Jalen Ramsey gave him a little shove. You know, it was after the play. It was unnecessary, but it was so light. And for some reason, A.J. Green just flicked off, put the Batman in the sleeper hole, threw him to the ground, was punching his helmet. <laughs> I don't understand why football players do that, Jake, but he was punching his helmet. And then put the Batman in the sleeper hole again. He's out there looking like Roddy Piper, man. God bless the dead. So, so many people, because again, AJ Green is such a mild-mannered, calm, you know, guy. People were like, yo, what happened to AJ Green? What happened to AJ Green? And I was reminded of a segment that we have. It was the second time we'll be doing it this week, but it was his central nervous system letting the world know that AJ Green completely ran out of to give. Take a listen. Hello, AJ. This is your central nervous system. We're ready for a brand new season. You currently have one million f**ks to give. Spin wisely. In need of some fantasy advice? How about a wide receiver? Well, easily the three best wideouts are Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and Antonio Brown. And it isn't even close. Good afternoon, AJ. Don't get too upset about being overlooked. You now only have 900,000 f**ks to give. Despite a less than stellar two seasons, it seems like Samsung is still ready to show Cowboys wide receiver Des Bryant the money with their new ad. Sorry, AJ. Don't be too discouraged. I mean, 
You're light years better than Des Bryant, but your shine will come soon enough. Also, remember, you now have 500,000 left. Back to football, and the Bengals are still searching for answers after their awful start to the season. But it won't come from either a quarterback or a coaching change. Danger. Danger. They're keeping Marvin Lewis and Dalton? Both? Oh, s***. AJ, it's cold red. You have zero, I repeat, zero f left to give. Be careful. Ugly scene in Jacksonville on Sunday as Cincinnati star AJ Green assaulted Jags cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Green, usually so mild-mannered, just loses it. I wonder what could possibly have made him snap. Isn't it funny how it always goes down like that? Like, everybody will ignore all the BS, all the obstacles someone will be going through, right? We'll just ignore it. Won't pay it any mind until that person finally flicks off. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, I never saw it coming. What happened to him? Why did so-and-so lose his mind? Everybody in the world know damn well why A.J. Green got pissed off. And not just because of Jalen Ramsey. He got pissed off for being the wide receiver to Andy Dalton his entire career. Matt, like, if you A.J. Green, man, think about it. No one even talks about A.J. Green anymore. Like I said, it's Odell, it's Julio, it's Antonio Brown, it's Dez, Mike Evans, all these wideouts, right, who aren't as good. I, don't need, I think A.J. Green's one of the best receivers in football, for real. And when you look at his productivity, right, and then you add to the fact that he's playing with Andy Dalton, he may have an argument of being the best wideout in football. But nobody ever talks about him. And it's not just Andy Dalton. Marvin Lewis is still the head coach in Cincinnati. Think about all the mess that has happened to the Bengals since Marvin Lewis took over. Marvin Lewis has been the head coach in Cincinnati for over a decade. They haven't won a single playoff game, bro. <laughs> and of course AJ Green is pissed off. He pissed off at everybody. Probably pissed off at his grandmother, man. You know what I'm saying? His cousins, his homeboy. I would be too. So you know what, Jalen Ramsey, just wrong place, wrong time. He said he probably said the wrong word to him. He just had none. He had none left to give, and he put that Bama in the crossface chicken wing <laughs> twice. Kicked his ass. And, and you know what? Shout out to AJ Green. Salute AJ Green, man, because he kicked Jalen Ramsey's ass on a Sunday in front of the whole world. Everybody was laughing at it, and he didn't even get suspended. I mean, hey, how much of a G can you be? Unfortunately for AJ, Andy Dalton's still going to be your quarterback, bro. And you know what? Marvin Lewis is still going to be your head coach. Fortunately for you, the show is going to keep on going. We've only got one half down, so we got two more quarters left. We're, we're energized, we're focused, and we got the game plan to hopefully close this show off strong. So, without further ado, we're going to welcome in our guest this week. He is a contributor to not only SB Nation, but also Bullets Forever and the host of his own podcast, the I Have a Problem podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Sykes. Hey, what's going on, Mike? I'm super excited for this interview. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Quarterly Report. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Ah, no problem. No problem at all. Um, so I want to start here. Like I said earlier, you are an apparel and sneaker contributor to SB Nation. And last week, you know, everyone was talking about just how much uh, momentum 
Adidas has been able to continue and keep up with this entire 2017 year. Um, they had a, another strong quarter and they, um, you know, released their earnings. Likewise, uh, there was a lot of talk about Under Armour. Unfortunately for them, you know, they are having a rough 2017 and uh, their struggles continued. So for me, you know, I'm 34. My sneakerhead days are in the past. When I think of Adidas now and I see that they're so popular, instinctively, the first thing I think about is, oh, this has to be the Kanye effect, right? Kanye is now with Adidas. They're super successful. So for me, I'm thinking, okay, all of that or at least a significant chunk of that is because of Kanye. Revert, if you flip it, I, I see Under Armour. And I know they're, you know, they're stable of talent you know, of endorsers, right? They've got Cam Newton. They got Steph Curry. They got Tom Brady. Um, but somehow they're still struggling. So I guess my question to you is a two-parter. Number one, how much of Adidas success can be attributed to Kanye? And number two, if Kanye isn't the big reason why Adidas is having such a, a successful year, and looking at Under Armour's struggles, is it fair to, I guess, conclude that endorsers, like in big star endorsements, don't really matter anymore? Um. So for the first part on Kanye, I would say that's. I mean, that's that's the question that everyone is kind of trying to answer right now because it's really hard to say. Because in terms of um, you know, Yeezy sales and and the the money that he brings to Adidas is honestly that not that much. Like the the Yeezy, the percentage of um. You know, Yeezy products that Adidas makes is not—it's not high. I would say I would say it's less than maybe like eight percent of their product wow. is um, is actually Yeezy Yeezy product. But the thing is, like Kanye is so pro popular, Kanye and, and the Yeezy is, is, is so exclusive that um, you know it it draws people to to a brand that otherwise they may not have gone to um, before. I mean. Five years ago, people weren't even really thinking about Adidas the way they are now. Right. And and if you can argue that it, it is the number one um, sports and apparel company um, in in the country, even though like numerically Nike is is still at the top. Like Adidas, as far as um, you know how people uh, think about it and, and the mind share, like Adidas is definitely um, gaining traction on them. So like it, it's it's hard to say. Like Kanye has some type of influence on the company, but like quantifying it at this point is is super hard to do um for the second part um as, as far as athletes and um and under armor go like they like you said they have a, a great roster of um of athletes across multiple sports right like like you said Steph Curry, Tom right. Brady, um Cam Newton, Bryce Harper those are four major athletes across three of the biggest sports in the country. So like, yeah, I, I mean, that, that matters and you need those guys to, um, to, you, you need those, you, you always have to have endorsers as athlete endorsers, because like people want to be, people want to connect with, with their favorite athletes. Right. But at the same time though, um, and, and this is kind of what makes Adidas different from, from both Under Armour and Nike. They have, Pretty solid athletes. Like they've they've got um James Harden, uh Damian Lillard, um Christoph Schwarzinger's Joel and B and, and those are all NBA guys, those are their biggest guys. Um, you know, and and they have a pretty solid sports presence, but like what they focus on though is is not even really the um the entertainment aspect with like Kanye West and um Pharrell and 
ASAP right. first, but but really they they focus on getting boots on the ground and getting um, promoters and influencers of their products in the streets. You know, mm. talking to talking to the everyday man, uh, following people on Instagram, sharing um, pictures of their their favorite boots products with with everybody. You know, mm. so like it it, it kind of starts there. So like Under Armour is not. Like they're in a good position with the with the athletes that they have, especially with um you know the the moves that they've made with their um the NBA and and, and basketball roster signing uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and, and Josh Jackson um, mm. over the summer, and and they also recently signed um, ASAP Rocky to right. the deal as well. So that's a really positive thing for them. But like what they what they really need to focus on if they kind of want to turn uh the brand's perception around is um getting those people on the ground and and making sure that people think that you know this this brand is cool to wear because the only way that you're going to do it is if you see you know the, the cool dude at the club doing it and ain't nobody wearing underarms to the club <laughs> you ain't lying about that once again guys i'm joined by sneaker and apparel contributor to sb nation the young bull michael sykes um so Go to keep things moving off the court right now. Um, you know, when I was coming up, you know, it was all about foams, Jordans, Air Maxes, right? That was my wheelhouse when it came to tennis shoes. I didn't veer. I didn't. I didn't go away. Those were my three when it came to basketball shoes: foams, Jays, Air Maxes. But like I said, man, you know, I only got a month left in the Target demo. So you know, as I've gotten older. I don't really pay attention to basketball shoes like that in terms of like wearing new stuff, seeing what I like, what I don't like. You know what I'm saying? That's that's past my prime. I let the young Bamas go ahead and do that, Jane, right? But I'm curious, you know, who's the guy now? Who has the juice in terms of who's got the best signature shoe? Like I said, when I was coming up, it was Penny. It was Jordan. You know what I mean? Um, of the new guys of this new generation, I, I must say a few years back, Kyrie, he had those Krispy Kremes, and them joints were so ill to me. I, I love them joints. But besides that, I'm curious, who is this generation's Jordan or who is this generation's Penny in terms of having the number one signature shoe? It really isn't one, honestly. Oh. And it kind of it kind of sucks because, like, I'm 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 24, so like I I kind of grew up still idolizing Jordan, still wanting to wear Jordans, and and having Jordan th- be a thing. Um, in my household so so like i i know i know where you're coming from with that like nike has always had like these these amazing products that that they were pretty untouchable but i'm saying like they still retro foams you know what i'm saying like every other month they got like 500 different foams with different colors out now so like they're, they're still retro foams you know what i mean like they they people are still wearing maxes everywhere people are still wearing forces you know so like there, there's obviously like a um like they, they, that demographic still exists for them, where they can they can still retro shoes and and make money on of It's not as much as it used to be, but the retro game is still popping. But um, I, I mean, if if there was a, a dude like there, there's not a, a a single athlete right now who has a shoe that is like so far above and beyond um, mm. you know, everyone else's that they, everyone just feels like they have to buy it. Like the closest thing would. would probably be a Yeezy, but like I said, it's it, the product right. is super expensive. Like you're not gonna go and buy um you know a seven hundred fifty dollar shoe, a thousand dollar shoe on a resale market. You're not right. gonna be able to get it um strictly off of retail because it sells out too quickly. So like I, 
that that's the that's kind of the closest thing we have to a Jordan right now. But as far as athletes go, I mean, it's it's just a different game for these guys now. One because uh, when when Jordan first came into it, when he first got his shoe, his first shoe in 1985, um, there was the, the league was different. Everything was kind of homogenous. Everyone was wearing the same thing, the same colors. Um, you know, you you had the um, like people were starting to to fool around with with. Some different things, different things, different colorways, more team-specific things like the um, the the, the, the Converse are really good work with the uh, the Converse weapon back then, and um, but but like Jordan kind of kind of sparked that with the um with the Jordan one, and and that was a shoe that he didn't even really like that much, but like it it the, the color behind it, the red and black was um people really thought that was cool, and um they kind of latched on to that and and that was kind of where like the the myth of um of michael jordan and, and the legend of michael jordan kind of started to build from there and there wasn't really a player who um who would could even come close to kind of matching that legend matching that right. myth and and it was still it was continuing to grow while he was in the league so like you don't really have that anymore like you have lebron but like people people we know LeBron James, right? Like yeah. we didn't because because when this the social media era, we are closer to LeBron James than we ever were to. Um, There's no mystique with LeBron, right? Yeah. Exactly. There's no mystique. Is marketing is so different now because everyone can see everything at all times. It's harder to put a, a shoe out and keep it under wraps um, for a year, even while it's in development. Like we'll still see like different samples and and different. Um, and what the shoe could potentially look like. So, like, it, it's it's just it's too hard. We'll we'll, we'll probably never have a um, another Michael Jordan in in terms of uh, sports. Not 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 at least for for a few years, I would mm. say. Once again, I'm joined by Michael Sykes. He is a sneaker and apparel contributor for SB Nation, but he also was a reporter for Bullets Forever. And this is where I want to go with the conversation now, more on the floor. Um, for this season, there was so much buzz about the Wizards and just how far they can go this year. Um, and you know, John kind of John Wall kind of added to that with at the beginning of the year with the whole Wolf season and all this other stuff. I mean, we're just a few months removed from people saying that John Wall was better than Giannis onto the Kumpo. Um, now the season is still early, but as we stand right now, John has struggled. Um, for the first part of the year. Is it too early for Wizards fans to be concerned or is this something that we all should be worried about? I think I think it's too early to ask um what what's going on with him. I think he can be concerned and um and kinda of let him play through it at the same time. Because like he, he hasn't been the same John Wall. Like he's averaging um twenty and ten still but he's shooting forty percent from the field and taking a bunch of threes that aren't going in. Right and um and just his kind of look he, he just looks weird playing out there. <laughs> like I, honestly, like some of the things that 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 you're seeing from him, like you weren't really seeing from him last year. He's turning the ball over like crazy, which is like something he's always done. But like you can't do that and not shoot the ball well. Right. Um. He isn't defending the same way that he used to, which is something that we we become we've grown accustomed to. Um, from John Wall, and if you're not going to defend, you're not going to shoot the ball well, and you're going to turn it over. Like you can't. It's tough to win games right. um, that way. Like he's still for 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 NBA point guard standards, like average NBA point guard standards. He's been good. He's been okay, yeah. but like he's John Wall. So 
Effective, especially after this offseason where you, you see him training with LeBron and, and like you said, talking about Wolfies and, and everything else. Like you expect you expect a lot out of him um, for what a lot of people thought was, was the second best player in the East. Right. Um, I, I think John has always gone through his career where um, different points in his career where, where you've had uh, different slumps, right? Like two seasons ago, he's kind of started off like this where he was shooting cold from the field. But um, still played well defensively and um, and still moved the ball around pretty efficiently, and, right. and so you could kind of you could kind of live with that. So like I, I kind of see this as the same thing where like John's just going through uh, um, a slump right now. His jump shot isn't really falling, which is uh, which kind of weird because like he hasn't done anything mechanically to switch that up. So um, you expect that to to fall at some point. Maybe you can trade trade some of these threes for um, for more shots at the rim. Or um, more driving kicks, but I mean, either way, like I, I expect him to uh, to play out of it at at some point. Once again, I'm joined by Michael Sykes. He is a reporter for Bullets Forever, as well as the host of his very own podcast. Make sure you guys check it out; super dope. It's called the I Have a Problem podcast. You can catch it on SoundCloud or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And um, you know. It's too. It's so early, and you want to be careful being too critical of a player. And I know this far too well because I will never live down how critical I was about Bradley Beal. For the first four years of Bradley Beal's career, I was saying how he wasn't productive, which he wasn't. But I also was saying how signing him to his max contract was going to be a huge mistake, and I never saw him turning into a superstar. Obviously, I was wrong. Bradley Beal is playing so well this year, as well as last year. His trajectory is on par to being a superstar, right? Like, there's really no denying how well Bradley Beal is playing. Similarly, other people made that mistake with Otto, right? A lot of people were critical of uh, Washington giving Otto a max contract. And thus far, Otto is playing spectacular. And depending on how you view statistics, he's always played very well. Um, but he has progressed. So with two thirds of Washington's quote unquote big three playing so well, and we all expect John to round into form sooner rather than later. With that being said, and with the understanding that, you know, Cleveland is a mess right now. So for so long, Washington's ceiling has been just get to the conference championship. But with an Otto, Brad and John nucleus coupled with, Cleveland struggles are the Wizards a legit not just Eastern Conference championship team but a legit NBA finals team I thought they had a pretty good shot at it last year honestly and, and that might be because I'm, I'm around the team so much and I, I see them play so much but they I mean they've always kind of had the um the blueprint to to get things done if, if everything kind of broke right and I kind of feel the same way um, about them still this year, like everything kind of has to break right for them to uh, for them to make a, a legitimate run. Like, will that happen? How likely is that? I think it's very likely because well, I mean, Cleveland Cleveland is still Cleveland is struggling, but LeBron James is still LeBron James, right. as we saw the other night uh, right. when he dropped fifty seven on uh, and popped over Bradley Hill. Yeah, like, it was it was it was crazy. That was a, that was a crazy game. And um, I mean, Boston is is still a um, a threat, even though I, they I feel like they lost a lot of depth this off season. But um, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have really stepped up for them. Um, Al Horford's been really really good on both ends of the floor, and Kyrie Irving is is still Kyrie Irving. So 
that's that's also an obstacle um, that they'll have to get around. But um, you know, I, I mean, I think that um, they've got a good as as good a chance as, as anyone um, to come out of the East at this point. It, it would take John Wall being um, the John Wall that we know. It also takes Bradley Bill being great, which it looks like he he's pretty much on his way to. Right. Um, Otto Porter has been scorching to start the season, and if that keeps up, which is like, I, I he's not going to shoot 56% from three the whole year, right. but if he shoots like 42, 43% from it, that's, that's a great thing. Like, I, I definitely think we can see them um, make a pretty good run. Yeah, and the city would go crazy if that were to happen. My friends and many family members would as well. But, you know, the season is still early. There's a lot of basketball still to be played, so... We'll see how things uh, take shape. But at least, you know, right now the Wizards are compelling. They're interesting. And there is a buzz for the team. So we'll see how things play out. Once again, guys, this has been Michael Sykes. He is a sneaker and apparel contributor for SB Nation. Also a reporter for Bullets Forever. And, guys, make sure you check out his very own podcast. It's called the I Have a Problem podcast. You can catch it on SoundCloud or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Michael, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. No problem, dude. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. All right, guys, we are three quarters down with one quarter left. Let's finish up strong with our fourth topic this week. Quarter. There are a lot of sports cliches. And if you listen to this podcast, you know, I, I really can't stand them. But, you know, some of the cliches are, you know, based in fact. In fact, some of the more prominent ones are things that have history on their side. For instance, we've heard for decades now, right? One player in the NBA can make a world of difference. One player in the NBA can change your entire franchise, right? And we've also heard when it comes to football that the NFL and football, they're the ultimate team sport, you know? Everyone is so reliant upon everyone else. No one player is better than the team. You play for the name on the front of the jersey instead of the one on the back, yada, yada, yada. And again, by and large, those theories have proved to be true over time. You know, history is on that side. However, 2017 has been crazy as hell. Not just outside the world of sports. You know, I'm not going to talk about that, but regarding sports as well. There is no rhyme or reason to 2017, especially when it comes to those two cliches, those two sports cliches that we've all heard over and over again. All right, let me give you an example. The Boston Celtics, their highest paid player, got hurt minutes into the season, minutes. And yet the Celtics are playing better than they have had in years since the, their championship run. Their one player... You know, it's not Gordon Hayward. Kyrie, obviously, he's a he's a big star, but it's not as if his numbers, his productivity is so much different than, you know, in recent years. You know, likewise, Kyrie's former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James is he's off to the best start of his entire career. LeBron James is playing somehow his best basketball through, you know, 10 or 11 games thus far. But his team is still playing like trash. You know what I mean? The, the, the whole concept that the one star, the one superior player makes the world a difference in the NBA. 
on both ends of the spectrum haven't shown to to bear out just yet. And again, the season is early, but it's pretty it's pretty jaw dropping when you see how well Boston is playing and how well or how poorly Cleveland is playing, despite the fact that LeBron is playing so great. And it's not just them. You can look at, you know, the Pelicans. They've got two of the better players in the league. They still can't win. But this is the league, supposedly, where one player makes the world of difference. Right? Conversely, when you look at the NFL, we've been told for years, for decades, it's the ultimate team sport. One guy doesn't make a difference. Tell that to the Packers. Tell that to Green Bay fans. They literally, with one injury, one tackle, have gone from Super Bowl contenders to a team that will have a high draft pick. Look at the Colts. And you know what? I don't usually do this, but this is going to be a tease. Next week, somebody got to talk about the Colts, right? What they're doing to Andrew Luck is crazy. It's criminal, really. I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to get into that too much this week, but that's a little tease for you guys for next week. We're going to definitely touch on Jim Ursay and the Colts because that's a mess. But look at the Colts. Andrew Luck, just a few years ago, playing in the AFC Championship game. He gets hurt. They can't win. And now he can't even get onto the field. And that team is a mess. And I can hear you guys say, oh, you know what? It's different when it comes to quarterbacks with football. You know, it's not the same. Y'all, if you listen to the show, you've heard me express my opinions on that. I don't necessarily agree, but I'll give you something else. The Seattle Seahawks are two. We know how great that defense is. That defense isn't nearly the same when Earl Thomas is not playing. Right. He's not a quarterback, but he changes so much when it comes to that defense. David Johnson in Arizona, one of the best running backs in the league. Right. Arizona has a, a dominant offense, not dominant, you know, because last year Carson Palmer was struggling, but they were competent. He goes, that team is nothing. That team is trash. The Jared Goff, last year he wasn't very good. This year he seems to show, you know, he's a pretty good player. Boom, right? The entire team's fortune changed. Same thing. The Texans had the number one defense last year. Have been consistently one of the best defenses in the league. J.J. White goes down. Defense can't stop anybody. But they can score all these points. Well, that is until Deshaun Watson goes down. Now no one can score. You know, this is supposed to be the ultimate team sport. So what happened? You know, what changed? Why is it now that up is down and down is up when it comes to the NBA and the NFL? And this is a legitimate question. I'm not, this, is, this isn't rhetorical. I'm curious. Because everything that we've been told, everything that we've been taught when it comes to sports has changed so drastically, so quickly. You know, you got Albert Breer talking. I don't know if you guys know Albert Breer, but, you know, he, he writes for the Morning Monday quarterback. And he, he had a tweet earlier this week that was like, you know, the NBA's offseason was great, but this regular season is, is not. I'm paraphrasing. When you think of parody, you never think of the NBA. But right now. When you look at the teams who are playing well, and again, it's so early. You know, I'm not trying to be prisoner of the moment, but Cleveland has real problems. Do I suspect Cleveland will still make it to the NBA Finals? Yes, but it's only because I've only it's because I've seen it, right? It's not because I believe in Cleveland. 
It's just that that's all I know. Whatever team LeBron is playing, they're going to make it to the finals, right? But Boston is playing better than Cleveland. Detroit is playing better than Cleveland. You know, hell, you can make look at the look at the Philadelphia 76ers. They're teams, right? Two of those teams I just named didn't make the playoffs last year. And these are two of the teams who are at the top of the conference again, one eighth of the season through. But the dynamic, you can see it in real time. It's shifting. And that's kind of my my ultimate point. So many times we're so caught up in what's happening at the moment that we can't see like the greater the greater shifts, the greater moments, right? The greater movements, if you will. You know what I mean? We're so caught up with oh, LeBron seven straight NBA finals, the Golden State Warriors super team that you 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 are failing to see a generational shift. Look at the players who are 22 and younger in the NBA and what they're doing now. Of course, I'm going to start with my guy, the Latvian Mamba. You understand the unicorn himself, Kristaps Porzingis. I love that dude, man. I love that guy. I had a lot of questions. Everybody had questions about, you know, is this guy just potential or is he finally going to, you know, put it all together? And it's thus far, right, 10 games into the year, it's happening. But it's not just him. Ben Simmons talked about the Sixers. One of the main reasons why the Sixers are playing so well is because of Ben Simmons. He's, he, what is he, 19? Joel Embiid, 22. Giannis, 22. Carl Anthony Towns, he's 21. I mean, you, you, these are all guys 6'10 and, 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 and taller who can do everything. So we're so caught up in the LeBrons and Steph Currys that you're like you're seeing the movement. It may not happen this year. LeBron very, very may well, very may very well go to an eighth straight NBA Finals. I don't know. I wouldn't bet against it. But if he doesn't, who do you think is going to be the reason why? It's going to be Giannis, right? If it's not this year, in a few years, and if it's not Giannis in a few years, maybe it's Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I'd pray every night if it's Chris Stops. You know, but you're seeing the generational shift in the NBA. Likewise, when you look at football, it was supposed this is supposed to be, you know, think of every year for like the last 10 years, there's a new quarterback who's drafted number one. He's going to be a game changer, but it's not happening yet. It's still Tom Brady. The Seahawks, you know, they're, they're always one of the best teams in the league. That hasn't changed. Pittsburgh is always right there. It's not happening. So it was supposed to be Andrew Luck and RG3. Remember the year of the quarterback. One, two. We know that didn't work out. Five years later, we would have legit concerns of the health of both those players. In just five years. Think about that. Then it was Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota a few years later. Doesn't look like that's happening. But the football is the ultimate team game. So how come nothing is changing? <laughs> right? I've argued this point time and time again. Yes, I know the NBA has no parity. But why is it that it seems like there's more change now in the NBA than it does in football? Throw a dart. You, know, you already know what teams. And again, the Rams, 
they're one of the teams who are who look to be changing things, right? Sean McVay gave him all the credit in the world. I have no idea why Washington let him go. I would have fired Jay Gruden the moment I the moment I had an inkling that uh, McVay was on on his way out. But he's changed the entire culture in one year, not like. But other than that, like, who, where's the new blood? Where's this turnover? Tom Brady has been dominating the NFL since the early 2000s. He's 40. And Aaron Rodgers, obviously, he, he's been great since he's, you know, really just got his opportunity to be a starter. But where else? Who else? Do you really believe in Alex Smith? Derek Carr doesn't look to be like the guy everybody was ready to anoint him to be. Where's the, where's the young blood? Where's the new talent? If you can find it, I would love for you to let me know. And you can let me know by a plethora of ways. Number one, you can email me. We're at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's quarterly, spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. You also can tweet me. We're at quarterly show. Tweet at me at quarterly show on Twitter. And of course, you can also get in contact with me in the show via iTunes. Look for the show at the quarterly report. You'll see the icon, click on it and subscribe. You can rate and review. Talk to me. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Let me know if maybe I'm overstepping, you know, the the boundaries when it comes to this generational shift in the NBA. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe, you know, Giannis and Ben Simmons and Chris Tops, they're not ready to take the mantle just yet. And maybe I'm overlooking a team in the NFL. Maybe your favorite team. I don't think so, but you know, I'm open to being swayed. Just you gotta bring it. So make sure you bring it on those uh outlets that I outlined for you guys. All right, guys, that's my time this week. Remember, next week, stoppage time is returning. Stoppage time is the time where I chat with you guys. I read your emails, read your questions. So if you want to make sure your question is read on the air, please send me a good one, a good email, a legitimate question or concern, or a topic you want to debate me with. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, that's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. All right, guys, I hope you all have a great weekend and I'll see you next week right here on the Quarterly Report.